Hello and welcome to a new episode of the You're My Comzera podcast and I'm your host Asif Chowdhury. Today my guest is Matt Gear, who's the Head of Communications and Marketing at West Kent Housing Association. Matt's got over a decade's experience in communications, marketing and PR with a background in broadcast journalism and he's going to share more about this shortly in the main part of the podcast but for now Matt, thanks for joining us and it's a pleasure to thanks, welcome you on the podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So, as we do with all our guests, it's a chance to um, get to know you. So, I'm going to kick off with, um, what's your most played song on your Spotify? That's a really interesting question. And I think, to be honest, the most played song is probably Wheels and the Bus, because my son uses the Spotify, well, (laughs) I use it for him uh, when he's in the car, uh, or generally just to keep him occupied. But my personal uh, most played song on my Spotify is a song by Julian Gomez and a singer called Boosie called Out of My Life. I really love house music and it's kind of deep, soulful house and really good for focusing or running or working out or just uh, unwinding. So yeah, that's my most played song of 2023. Excellent. Wheels on the Bus. I love that one. Is there a house version of Wheels on the Bus? There's there a must gap be. in the market. If <laughs> You're going to dig that out. That was yeah, a Google there's, search. there's definitely an opportunity there for... <laughs> Um, DJ loving, <laughs> producing loving parents to to find a niche. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, let's ask you, um, which famous person would you invite to dinner and why? I think this has changed a lot in recent years. And I was thinking about it the other day. And I think mine would have to be Nelson Mandela. Um, I think his, his legacy. Yeah, um, amazing. You know, the amazing work that he did over decades from the 50s, 60s onwards to the legacy he has today is is phenomenal. And um, being a young person, yeah. when uh, he was freed and, and elected, uh, I would just love to ask him those questions about kind of his life, his story, his motivations. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's amazing, that. Great choice. Great choice. I hope I get an invite to that one. Um, you know, that, that, that would just be phenomenal to to be in the company of such a, um, a great man, obviously. And uh, yeah, that's an interesting choice. I don't think we've had an Elson okay. Mandela before, but yeah, good one. And then finally, Matt, three words to describe you. Uh, energetic, fun, and funny. Although, although I think, to be completely so honest, I think that we'll see some. Of <laughs> I think the funny through. one might be. I think, my, I think my family and my wife and my son in particular might might take umbrage towards the last one, but we'll see. We'll see how the next couple of couple of minutes goes. <laughs> if I get uh, if I get any complaints from the gears, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're getting to the main crux of the podcast now, so. Um, just to give our listeners a quick overview. So in this episode, Matt's going to share some thoughts and reflections on his uh, career in communications. And he, he's going to talk more about how to ensure that uh, you as a comms professional have a seat at the top table to support, influence, and guide your organization's approach to strategic communications. Matt's also going to share some of his lived experience, uh, of which there is plenty as well and lots for us to benefit from. So his lived experience of being uh, in the minority across the industry and how that's influenced and inspired his career direction. So it's going to be a fascinating, enlightening conversation as well. So I'm going to kick off with the first question, Matt. So um, tell us more about your career history and background and how that's led you to where you are now. Yeah, sure. So um, 
my original training, my original dream uh, years ago was to be a radio presenter and a radio DJ. So I studied broadcast journalism uh, up in Nottingham, uh, Nottingham Trent University. Had a great time there for three years, was involved in student media um, and kind of really kind of sharpening my tools in terms of journalistic skills. Uh, upon coming back to London, uh, where I grew up, um, I was looking at opportunities to develop really in terms of the industry I wanted to be the next Mr Jam or Trevor Nelson but that was uh, over over a couple of years realized that probably wasn't the path for me um, and actually started my career in sort of comms and marketing at a PR agency that specialized in in broadcast um, that was about a decade ago now uh, just over a decade ago now actually and kind of from that point started to kind of find inlets into um, the type of comms that I'm most passionate about and I think to summarise what I what I'm what I am driven by, it's it's kind of cause causes or cause driven. Um, so even at the time when I was working at that PR agency uh, over a decade ago, uh, the area and the clients that I was most passionate about working with was people within the charity sector, organisations within the charity sector that were driven by a, a, a cause to help people. Um, and actually, that kind of golden thread of my career, if I trace it through from working at PR agencies to then working in charities to now working in the housing association and and a few roles in between there's definitely that kind of common denominator and i think for me that's that's the way i like to to operate i'm i'm quite a purpose driven person and uh reflecting upon my career as as you do when you when you have these conversations it's it's made me think a lot about what what gets me out of bed in the morning what causes do i feel most passionate about communicating about and for me it's about helping people um I, th I think as well, probably worth reflecting upon it. And I, I did the other day because, um, you know, you, you can't really mention the last sort of decade or so without thinking about the pandemic. Um, for a large chunk of that time, I was working uh, for a local authority in London. And that brought with it a whole heap of challenges where you had to work with different organisations, different bodies, charities. And I think for me, it, it the other kind of second thing that really drives me in my career is about collaboration and seeing agencies organizations come together for a common goal is something that I'm, I'm really really passionate about um so i guess hopefully that's my career in a bit of a nutshell um but uh yeah yeah oh, some really good stuff there as well so you've had quite a varied career but that like you said the purpose element and um communicating for organizations that do deliver with a purpose and from a, uh, a our company resource we worked with west kent housing association for a number of years and a fantastic organization that does amazing work as well as do many other housing associations that we work with as well so it's great to a uh, great to hear that and that's how we've got to to know each other as well so so matt tell us and having worked across a range of sectors then what transferable skills have you acquired along the way um so I think the first one that comes across, and it, it's probably not one that is a direct skill that people would put on their CV as such, but it's about resilience. Um, you know, I mentioned COVID. Uh, I mentioned working in the local authority charity sector, now a housing association. You have to have a decent level of resilience to work within those industries, um, not least because the audiences, the customers, the residents, the people that you're supporting um, require you to have that to serve them appropriately. Um, but also, given the nature of the work that we're doing, it can change very, very quickly. And if you're not a resilient person, if you're not able to think on your feet, if you're um, perhaps uh, maybe not as uh, as fluid in terms of adapting plans, that can 
proved to be quite a challenge. And for me, that's something that I, I pride myself and I, I like to think I've encouraged colleagues and teams along the way to kind of develop their own resilience as well, um, both individually and as a team to help achieve the best outcomes for, for the organization or the clients or the customers that they are, they are serving at the time. Um, that that would be the kind of one one practical one from a from a personal perspective, but then I guess from a from a day to day technical comms perspective, I think it it kind of relates to that, and it's about planning, um, and it's about ensuring that although the best lay plans can be overturned, changed at, at the last minute, it's about understanding on a yearly, on a monthly, on a weekly basis what content, what comms, what com- what campaigns are you keen to drive forward and I think the reason I'm so passionate about that and it relates to the kind of wider topic that we're going to talk about today is to ensure comms marketing comms PR comms and engagement are at the top table are able to influence and and collaborate with decision makers at any organization I think it's about being aligned to that organization's goal and then adapting the comms where appropriate to 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 that um and I think I've I've been uh, in in the earlier parts of my career in, in places or in in uh, roles where that maybe was a bit more of a challenge, and um, you had to be slightly more um, reactive in the way that you delivered your communications activity, and it it, it kind of left a, a really difficult taste in the mouth of me as a, as a as an employee or or as a professional, but also you I could see that it wasn't getting the best out of the profession for the organization and I'm really happy and encouraged to see that changing now I think um, in the last sort of five or six years there's been a lot more conversations about communications and marketing as a strategic discipline uh, and the organizations I've worked in have kind of put the, the kind of partnering element of that at the top table with finance with HR with all the other corporate services that you would anticipate but it is still an ongoing journey and I think for me that's where it comes back to planning ensuring that you're able to have those conversations as early as possible with, with those relevant decision makers to ensure that comms and business directions comms and organization vision and mission are aligned and again I guess in the bigger picture it comes back to that that purpose-driven element that we touched on earlier yeah, no, absolutely. Some really key points there for people to um, pick out their resilience and planning as those two transferable skills. And both of those on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of how you actually acquire them as well, because that resilience, there isn't any, um, it's not the stuff you get trained on when you come into the profession planning. Yes, you would do that. But like you say, um, it only comes into effect if you've got either yourself as you progress in your career or early on if you've got a leader that's got the opportunity to be part of the strategic function which every comms and marketing and PR professional strives for and it's still not commonplace it's still a a struggle that goes on for most it has improved definitely but uh, absolutely right and so so two good really good key takeaways um that whole resilience element not just through things like the pandemic there's kind of Mm. daily challenges that those smaller ones that can knock you off plan the reactive comms that that come through that make you have to be a bit more agile and come off plan how the resilience to get back on there because that consistency is consistency is important in in your comms so yeah some good points there for people to take away then so Matt let me ask you then as someone who leads and has led teams on some challenging projects and topics then what are the 
some top tips then from you on supporting those colleagues to maintain a good work-life balance? It's a it's a daily challenge, I think, in, in the professions that we work within. Um, and I, I don't proclaim to have all the answers. But I think for me, it, it, it boils down to one, um, factoring in a bit of that that buffer time that you need for reactive uh, work, um, ensuring that in your annual strategies, work plans, you know, weekly plans, you've got that little bit of resilience, that sort of 10, 15% across your team's workload or in your individual workload to allow for break glass, something's happened, we need to respond. Um, and that can be as simple in a, in a practical sense of blocking out time in your diary for project time or whatever you want to call it down to making the uh, making those points when you work with your strategic leaders to say actually just so you know you know we we, we aren't at capacity and it, and it's on purpose to allow for x or y to happen um as per our you know our, our business risk documents or or kind of uh, plans that we work to but i think on a on an individual basis and and you know looking after mental health and well-being in the workplace is really important and is has been kind of pushed up the agenda over the last five six years which is really 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 good to see and particularly with the pandemic that that's kind of heightened but I think specifically for comms and marketing professionals it's an area that one I'm really passionate about but one I've also seen maybe fall fall away a little bit um when things are really busy and people are being really reactive it can be easy to in a really tangible sense miss those lunch breaks work that extra hour or two after work you know, miss the school pickup, not have a chance to look after yourself and, and go to the gym or, or um, exercise or have that kind of um, that, that physical um, space outside of work to, to burn off some energy. And, the, you know, the, the effects can be detrimental on individuals and on teams. So I think in a practical sense, it's it could be as simple as adding in movement breaks in your diary. It could be uh, from a from a line management or a support perspective, changing one of your one-to-ones with your team members each week to be a walking one-to-one and instead of doing it over teams um saying well actually let's cut it to half an hour let's do it over the phone you go for a walk i go for a walk or if we're in person back in the office we'll go for a walk together and cover off the things that we need to that aren't you know confidential but it's also that kind of social element as well that can be really easy to miss in a hybrid working uh, environment where you know it's it's straight to business every time you have a conversation with someone and it, there's very little room for getting to know you which can be even more challenging when you've got staff entering the workplace who a don't know anything different because they've studied or graduated during covid or post covid but also b when people are, uh, are working in in different organ you know different uh, office layouts or partly from home or whatever and i think for me it's about finding the best fit for that individual or for yourself um it's not a one-size-fits-all approach um but it's having that intentionality to regularly check in with both yourself and also with your team to say is this still working does it make more sense to change the way we have these meetings or to factor in that into your diary each week or each month to just give yourself a, a bit of support but i think you know organizations are really really good at adding in those extra layers of um employee assistant programs and mental health first aiders but i also think as individuals and as leaders we have a part to play in in terms of bringing that to life day in and day out in terms of how we operate as a team yeah no absolutely and it, it is you know you look at people's diaries now pre-pandemic it the back-to-back meetings was wasn't really that commonplace and uh, um, 
in people will see when they pick up the podcast, they'll see in your bio that you um, uh, you are a mental health first aider yourself as well. Like you're a trained MHFA, so you know, congratulations on that. And that's where you're coming from a place of um, knowledge on this perspective. It's not just opinions. Uh, you're trained and you're that representative within West Kent Housing Association as well, which is which is fantastic to see. So there's some really really nice points there for people to pick up. And I particularly like the fact, you know, it's, it, it's such a simple concept, the walking meeting. And even if you're not in the office together, you could still do that. But it, I think it'd be quite strange for for most leaders to suggest that. And also the recipients of that invite to think, oh, is that is that okay? Or um, am I still working? And yeah, absolutely. Because if you're not, if you don't need to be screen sharing, then what's the difference? Exactly. Um, uh, some of the... So no. It's good. Some really nice, and those those simple tips are the easiest ones to implement, either rather than these huge strategies that have to be in place, but um, they're not quick and easy to to actually um, build into your to your no, day. Exactly. And it's funny. It's funny you say that because some of the most honest and open conversations I've had as either as a as a line manager or as a, an employee of an organisation have been had in those slightly more informal conversations over a walk right. or over a coffee. That's yeah. Not, uh, as maybe as structured as a, as a formal meeting obviously there are times and, and places and spaces where they need to happen but actually to have those more informal yeah. check-ins it's really important yeah. so equality diversity and inclusion is something discussed a lot within the sector uh, and as someone yourself matt from a minority ethnic background how has the last three years shifted your experience then as a comms professional um that's a really interesting question and it's been definitely been a, a challenging one um i'm sure many of your listeners are aware of obviously the the summer of 2020 and you know the conversations the movement the black lives matter movement that was largely um sort of galvanized off the sad murder of um tragic murder of george floyd and, and other murders as well uh, in the states um i think for me personally it's it's advanced a lot of the conversations with allies and with um, colleagues not from minority backgrounds um, but equally I think for staff members and colleagues who are from those backgrounds it's also enhanced the the, the conversations that need to be had um, at all levels of an organisation but also it's put an added uh, kind of pressure on those individuals depending on the roles they're in to be um, driving some of those conversations and the last two organisations I've worked in have been really, really uh, blessed uh, to have structures through employee networks, uh, whether that be specifically for BAME staff um, or other kind of protected characteristics to have those conversations in a structured and, and meaningful way and kind of feed um, actions back up the chain. But equally, I've got colleagues who work within the, the industry who don't have those structures within their organisations. And it is so much more difficult for those colleagues sorry so much more difficult for those colleagues to have uh those conversations because they sometimes feel like they are just being the voice for black people or the voice for mixed race people uh, and that's uh, a position that people don't really want to be within sometimes um for me personally i'm very passionate about driving equality diversity and inclusion so i'm happy and have been uh on equality diversity inclusion groups uh boards to have those conversations in a, in, a, in a really meaningful way. But equally, I think it, it kind of relates back to that previous point about also being mindful of looking after your own mental health and well-being. Um, 
and there can be a, a sense of fatigue that happens where you're having to professionally communicate about these issues and these topics, particularly over 2020 and 2021 uh, as a comms professional and, and carrying that in an appropriate and, and um, meaningful way for, on behalf of the organisation. But then also those internal conversations, if you're part of those groups and about how organisations change and, and um, review the way they approach equality, diversity, inclusion, and protected characteristics. Um, and then kind of and on an individual basis, how you as a person from that community interact with the content, both that you're having to shape day in and day out, both internally and externally for the organisation you work for, but also what you're seeing on the media. And I know personally that I really struggled, um, particularly in that first summer, uh, with what I was seeing across social media, you know, by nature of the jobs that we do. Social media is part and parcel of our, our day-to-day, our nine-to-five or, or what have you. But actually then if you yeah. leave work, and particularly if you're not e- even leaving your house, uh, you're then confronted with some really horrific stories in your spare time. And that can really uh, erode at your resilience. And I think, you know, for me personally, I found a really practical step was about blocking the, the times in which I kind of look at social media or, or kind of pausing my apps at the end of the day because I didn't have the the headspace to engage with that content anymore um not to say that I wasn't passionate about the cause uh, but I also knew that to do my best to drive those conversations forward on a professional basis um I needed to give myself a bit of breathing room in the evenings um so for me I think I, I think the most important yeah. thing is about um having those difficult conversations though and I think we've come a long way in the last three years uh, to doing that yeah, no, absolutely. And um, what advice then would you give to young professionals or students from minority eth- minority ethnic backgrounds and considering a career in communications? Just do it. Um, I think it, it could be as simple as that. Um, I've, you know, 10, 10 plus years now in, in the industry, and I'm happy to say that uh, I've seen a real trend in terms of people from my community, people from the, the, the Black Caribbean, um, Black mixed race communities, uh, and other minority communities moving into positions of leadership across comms, marketing, PR. Um, but there is still a long way to go. But I think it starts by having that that kind of pipeline of new colleagues entering the sector who are willing to push those doors, who are willing to be the only face or the only one of only a few faces within organisations driving the profession. Um, for me personally, as someone who works within the public sector um, and the charity sector, um, I'm really, really keen now within the position of leadership to represent that back uh, to other colleagues. And I think I remember starting my career thinking, wow, I didn't know if I could get to this level or that level. And actually now I'm in a position where I can have conversations with more junior colleagues within the sector. It's like, well, actually, you, you can achieve it. And there are other people in other positions of responsibility in other organisations that you maybe aren't aware of. Yeah. But I think it boils down to sometimes you can't believe it until you see it. And I think now we're in a position where there is slightly better representation. Yeah. It's about using that wisely for the next generation of comms professionals. Yeah, no, great that is. And uh, I hope our listeners... Um, take heed to that and just I like the fact that you said just do it um, and and just just go for go for it because there's plenty of um, there's still room for improvement but there's plenty of great examples of leaders who have built a successful career in this profession of ours housing and 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 public services you know as a in the country that we're in and, and in this, you know the the areas that we're in there is a real need for representation because the services that are provided go to diverse 
customer bases, go to diverse resident bases. If you don't have Absolutely. leaders within organizations from a, of a variety of diverse backgrounds, then you're actually not as, uh, you're in a slightly more difficult position to provide tangible and representative services to your residents and to your customers because it's, it's about having that seat at the table, uh, having those difficult conversations internally to influence the services that people receive. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree. So then you think, Matt, just to kind of wrap up these questions, are there any pieces of advice that a person of influence um, in your life has given you that motivates you on a regular basis? I always think back to um, a saying that my parents used to say to me when I was younger, um, particularly being from, uh, my parents are from the Caribbean, they're Windrush Generation um, children, um, came to the UK in the 60s, my dad from Guyana, my mum's from St. Vincent, and they instilled in me the idea that being from a black Caribbean background, you had to work twice as hard to achieve uh, within the UK. Um, I now as an adult and, and as a dad um, and uh, seeing, you know, the fruits of, of their kind of drive within me. And I think that advice, although slightly, hopefully now less of an issue in a more diverse community, diverse world that we live in, I still kind of carry that mentality of, you know, you, you've got to be willing to put in the work. Hands are made for working. You're going to have to work hard. Obviously, balancing that with your mental health and well-being. But I think for me, it's about being willing to roll your sleeves up and to push forward. Um, and that's something that sticks with me to this day. And I think reflecting upon that, and I was, as I was the other day talking to my dad, it's something that his parents mentioned to him. And I know my mum's parents mentioned to her as well. And I think that yeah. is definitely something that, that drives a lot of, you know, that story's probably not untrue for many other people from minority backgrounds who came over in the 50s, 60s, 70s to this country. And it's something that I'm sure that their children and grandchildren take forward as well. Yeah, no, brilliant. And, uh, Props to uh, your mum and dad there. So great influences to have um, in your life for sure then. So we're here, Matt, on the Comterra podcast. So it's, it's only right we ask, which I do of all our guests. So why is Com the, why is the Comterra community important to you? And would you recommend people working in comms and marketing to be part of it? I definitely would. Uh, and I think it's important to me because it's about cele celebrating diversity of careers and diversity of voices. I think... It can be very easy when you first start your career or even when you're you're kind of midway through or going towards the end of it to be quite uh, blinkered in the way that you view your career or the view that you, uh, you do. And given the, the fast paced nature of what we're doing within comms and comms and marketing, comms and PR, you know, there is a sense of just just get it done, move on, get it done, move on. But actually having the space to, to take a step back, reflect, celebrate wins, look across the sector and see what other colleagues are doing. And maybe take some learnings from what they're saying. Oh, actually, this person over here is doing it differently. Or that team over there do strategic campaigning differently or, or do resident involvement or co-production differently. You can actually start to develop a much better sense of, of what makes this profession so great to work within and, and find little tips and tricks. You know, it's a case of, oh, actually, I'm going to you know borrow that idea from over here and shape it into the way that we deliver things in, in my team. But you can't do that without having the platform to celebrate the individuals within the sector. And I think that's for me, yeah. is what Comms Hero does so well. No, thank you, Matt. And it's really nice that it's delivering that sort of value. That's what we set out to do. And as we celebrate our 10th anniversary in 2024, um, we hope that it continues along um, beyond to a 20th anniversary. Might not necessarily be me in part of that, but um, I'll. 
I'll, I'll tend for the celebratory element of it. Um, but no, that's fantastic. It's really nice to hear. And we, it is a platform, the community element, and we encourage people, you know, like-minded comms professionals to connect. So how can people connect with you? Where will they find you? Find me on LinkedIn, uh, Matt Gear. Uh, find me on Twitter, Matt Gear PR, and find me on Instagram, Matt underscore underscore gear. Um, are the best ways to reach me. Great. We'll share those in the show notes as well. And you'll find this podcast on Spotify, Apple, or your chosen platform, and also on our website, comzero.com. You can follow us on Twitter or X. Yes, we are still there, as a few people still are. Um, if you do listen on Apple or Spotify, uh, it'd be great if you take the time to leave a rating and review and hit the follow and subscribe button so you can get the new episodes, which um, we try and get out every two weeks. So, Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure, really insightful, and lots of great stuff for people to uh, take away. Thanks, Asif. Great to speak to you today.